Hello and welcome to The White House Advisor, a podcast which I, Harry Whitehouse, will use as an excuse to share my thoughts and opinions about the stuff I care about. On today's episode, we will be covering Romelu Lukaku's big move back to Chelsea for almost £100 million. So, the big deal. Chelsea, after flirting with Erling Haaland for a lot of this summer, decides to drop, like I said, almost £100 million, £97.5 million on a player they let go for 37 years ago in Romelu Lukaku. Obviously, on paper, this is an incredible signing. A fantastic last couple of years in Italy. 47 league goals in 72 games. And perhaps even more impressively, 13 goals in 16 European outings for Inter. I mean, he was Belgium's best player at the Euros. And that's saying a lot, considering he played with, in my opinion, the third best player in the world, Kevin De Bruyne. Although, he was hampered by an injury which is, uh, I mean, if you watch it back, it's incredibly hard not to say it was malicious on the part of uh, Lukaku's new Chelsea teammate in Antonio Rudiger in the Champions League final. So, Chelsea, Champions League winners, and they add arguably one of the best three strikers in the world on paper. Looks tremendous, doesn't it? This is a move that consolidates Chelsea's running in the hunt for the title this year if they already weren't in such contention as Champions League winners. I mean... Obviously, that run was a little bit fluky considering that Lampard had half the season, but let's not take away from Tuchel's uh, brilliance, let's be honest. But Lukaku, um, like I said, people getting excited about it. but And, you know, he's a great player. He's had some wonderful years, but we shouldn't forget how it ended for him last time in England. His last season at Manchester United really wasn't great for him, personally. Um the weight issues that Belgium had asked him to put on, all this weight, I mean, it's very well documented. I don't really want to go into that, but it's, you know, if you look online, there's plenty of stuff about how he was carrying too much weight. And he became a, an object of ridicule, which happens a lot for these players at these big six clubs, and unfairly 99% of the time. If you think back to 2019, his last year at Man United, people constantly teased him about his heavy touch, about, you know, uh, his stepovers and stuff and how slow he was. And I think that's something that's pretty endemic across these top six clubs. As I say, when you play for these teams, um, there's like these, there's this extreme just kind of opinions that get thrown about and then held widely, and they have to be accepted because there's so many people saying them. Uh, this particular case with clubs like Arsenal and Man United, so you know the general nature of their fans online and things like that, where if you have a fantastic player, it gets massively exaggerated in the most part because. They all get excited because there's so many of them. It creates this herd effect. But when a player isn't playing so well, it creates this kind of just momentum against him that drags down the overall public opinion of somebody. Think about what's happened to Aubameyang at some points. I mean, some of that criticism is very much warranted considering the price tag and the amount of money that he earns in comparison to the rest of the Arsenal team. And at the same time, they get overly excited about Emil Smith-Rowe as a superb player, wonderful player, but... Arsenal fans talk about him like, you know, he's already up there as one of the best number 10s in the world. And I think this was the case with Lukaku because he was at Man United and it's this huge fan base and this huge expectation and massive attention and just the spotlight on him all the time. A lot of his defects got exaggerated in that last year at Man United. Yeah, it wasn't great. Only 12 goals in 32 games. Didn't have the greatest relationship with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. But I think it's kind of misrepresentative of him as a player. And he's shown that since he's gone to Italy. He went to Italy for a lot of money. To be fair to Manchester United, they managed to recoup a lot of the £80 million that they spent on on him. 
I mean, it was 80 million euros that uh, Inter uh, end up shelling out. And under Antonio Conte, he has been excellent. And it's such strange. I mean, it's a strange for a player, really, of Lukaku's caliber. I mean, he's played for so many clubs and he's still only 28. I mean, he's played for, obviously for Anderlecht. Chelsea bought him from Anderlecht as a, as a young lad. He went to Chelsea, only played 10 Premier League games in his first stint there over the course of three years. Obviously, loan spells at West Brom and Everton. And then, obviously, Man United, Inter, and now Chelsea again. And this is a player who, once again, I think we, we also do this thing in Britain where we kind of underrate sometimes the players that we have here because we don't, we're seeing them every week. We kind of see all of the issues with them and we kind of glorify the players that are abroad. And I think this has also happened a bit with Lukaku, where when he was here, we constantly picked out his flaws, like I've already said. But now that he's gone away and not, you know, plenty of us do watch the Serie A, but it doesn't have the attention. So we kind of only see the good bits. So I'm not going to completely defend Lukaku and say that, his first touch is fantastic because there's definitely times when it's not. But um, we've done this thing now where he's gone away and now we all get very excited about him coming back. And when a big club like Chelsea gets linked with this player, the, the, we all get overly excited because we haven't really watched this player every week. Whereas there's players who are also very good. Like Harry Kane is a great example. He scores all of these goals for England and Tottenham. And obviously talk about his transfer saga another time. But um, we constantly pick out, oh, he's too slow. Oh, he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that. He isn't mobile enough anymore. Well, he's still top goal scorer in the Premier League last year and had the top assists. He's a better player than Lukaku, in my opinion. But because we put Harry Kane under the spotlight, like I said before, we don't think of him as highly as Lukaku. And also, I know that's conversely what I said with Lukaku earlier about how he picked out his flaws in England, but it goes to the same thing. When he was in England, we picked everything out, but he goes away and we forget about them. And regardless, he's a wonderful player and... I think this is interesting for what it means for Chelsea going forwards. So in terms of how Lukaku fits in at Chelsea, I mean, it's it's obvious. Anybody knows that. They play a 3-4-3, one central striker. It's going to be him. There's no debate to be had over position. He's going to be that focal point in the middle. I think what's more interesting is the tactical nuance of it. So uh, Inter would operate in a front two with uh, Lautaro Martinez next to him as two number nines. But obviously at Chelsea, it's going to be wide players, whether that be Mason Mount, Kai Havertz, Christian Pulisic, Hakim Ziyech. I mean, it's an embarrassment of riches. But it's interesting how uh, I think how Tuchel will uh, pick the players. Will he choose a more creator and one who's a bit more of a goal scorer? Will he go with... Uh, you know, Timo Werner, who's the goal scorer, not so much creator, and then off balance that with maybe Hakim Ziyech on the right, or Pulisic, who can serve more of a creator role. Will he go for a good presser with Mason Mount to give out for some of uh, Lukaku's... I mean, he isn't the greatest in terms of 90 minutes of mobility, so will he choose Mason Mount a bit more further advanced so he can counteract the uh, lack of pressure that will come from Lukaku? Because Mason Mount, I mean, he's arguably one of the best in the world at beginning the press one of the best forwards in the world without the ball so perhaps does he pick him but we'll see and of course like I said this is a team coming off a Champions League win got an incredible amounts of momentum and I think in a lot of crowds are now the favourites to win the Premier League I personally would still pick Man City but that's for another podcast but uh there's this momentum around Chelsea. And obviously, they were tremendous at the weekend like just that's the kind of wins that you see from a team that wins titles if I'm honest just these low drama simple 3-0 wins over teams like Crystal Palace at home just and it's very simple players who aren't necessarily tremendous and like you can integrate players in like Trevor Chalaba who managed to get a goal 
type kind of have the comfortability to integrate a player like that and then him be tremendous is a is a great sign of how Chelsea can be contenders for trophies this season. Obviously, I mean, like, like I said, I mean, I've said it again. The champion, the reigning Champions League winners, we shouldn't really question them as a threat. Really, I mean, it should be there. They beat Manchester City on the greatest club stage of them all. Why can they? Why can they not win the title? Ultimately, I think that I would, like I said, it's hard to look past Manchester City. There's the experience there. We have the sample size, right, of years and years of trophy winning in comparison to eight months of Tuchel at Chelsea. But Lukaku makes this really interesting. A player that City were linked with earlier in the year and they're home for a striker also. But Chelsea, they got nervous about waiting out for Haaland and his release clause next summer and they obviously pulled the trigger. It's a lot of money and although it isn't quite as embarrassing as Man United balking at Mina Raiola's demands for Paul Pogba's new contract in 2012 and letting him walk for nothing to Juventus, albeit it would have been at a big cost for a player of his age, and then spending almost, well, it was £100 million to bring him back, a world record deal at the time. It isn't quite as embarrassing as that, but surely there must be some blushes at Cobham, Chelsea's training ground, over spending uh, almost £100 million on a player that costs 30 But ultimately, they had to bite the bullet. This is a striker who's one of the best in the world, one of the best three, I think it's hard to look past, and increases their credentials as a team that can win titles rather than a team that, can you really win the league as much as I like him? Kai Havertz as a false number nine? Or Tammy Abraham, who's now made his move to Roma permanent today? No, you can't. And instead of waiting out for Haaland, which is risky because Haaland's this, uh, this generational, this you know 15 years potentially of like 40 goals a season, instead of waiting it out and being put, I mean, let's face it, in the lottery, he could go to any club next summer that's got the money, they buy uh, Lukaku and increase their window to win titles. And ultimately, despite his defects as a player, as we've looked into, this is an incredible striker. 64 goals in 95 inter-appearances. It's, it's definitely firmed up Chelsea's chances of winning the title in 2022.